Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Welcome, 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 guys. Welcome, guys, ladies and gents. Welcome, folks, into here. It's a special edition here of Sebi Podcast. Now, you're probably asking yourself, huh? Like, why are you on air today? Your, your weekly shows is always on Tuesdays, mornings on WNSC Radio. That's right. Have no fear. We will still be here on Tuesday on WNSC Radio. Myself, Michael Craig, filling in for Jared Rojas, as well as a special guest star, our ESPN College Hoops guru, Chris Wolf, will be on the hotline with us on Tuesday. But we are here today to talk about, early on last week, I had a chance for a special feature I had a chance to be on the Spotlight podcast held by Darion out there in the Philly area. And we got a chance to talk about some really key things in the NFL and NBA. I just want to let you guys go ahead and take a listen to this. You could be anywhere. You could be in a third world country. You could be in China. You could be in the U.S. You could be anywhere right now. But you're spending it with me. And I appreciate that. I just want to let you know that we appreciate that here in the Sebi Podcast Show. And without further ado, let's go ahead and take on an earlier recording that we did early on this week in a Spotlight podcast up there in Philadelphia. Let's take a listen. What is going on, fellas? What is going on, world? It is the Spotlight Sports Talk, and I have a special guest with me today. Introduce yourself, man. Let them know who you are, because... You know, I'm a smaller channel, so a lot of people don't really probably know about it from my channel. So let them know who you are, my guy. <laughs> so this is Sebi from the Sebi Podcast Show. Um, it's myself and my entire cast here. I am the host and the founder of the show. Um, and basically what we do, we do sports content. We do um, player interviews, um, pro athlete interviews, debates, talk shows. And we just educate the general public about sports here on a Sebi Podcast Show. And you guys can find me on all sh- streaming social media platforms. That goes for Instagram, YouTube, uh, to Spotify, iTunes, Twitter, and it all. So, pleased to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I mean, I'm happy to have you here. You know, we've been talking it up, trying to get this going, but we finally got it here. But before, you know, we get into all this, please subscribe to both of our channels here, at Spotlight Sports Talk and at Sebi Podcast on YouTube as well, because they definitely do have some great content. So subscribe to both our channels, you know, if you you know, if both of us put this on, you know, on our channels as well. So you ready to get into these talks, man? There's been a lot going on in the last couple of days with sports, man. The sports industry and the sports world, there's always news, man. There's always news, always. I'm excited. Let's get to it. Well, we already we well just talk about it as it is. Like you said, you already knew what's going to happen. The LA Lakers had decided to pull out of the active AD trade talks. How do you feel about that? Because me per se, I had a feeling it was going to happen because the Pelicans wanted too much, but right. at the same time, the Lakers was willing to give up that much. But I don't know what made the Lakers, you know, get out of this. This AD talks. What what you think was the purpose of it? Well, man, you know, uh, for me, I bleed green, so I'm a Celtics fan at heart. Um, uh, besides a podcaster, um, but you know, I, I was I wasn't shocked because um, Dell Demps wanted wanted it all. He, he's talking four picks, and it could be in increments of perhaps two first rounders and two second rounders, or or four first round picks alongside the young key pieces, the Zubox of the world, the the um, Ingram's, the Zoes, the Josh Hart's, and the key piece in Kyle Kuzma is himself. And so um, when you think about it as a GM, whether you're Jimmy Buss or whether, you, whether you're Magic Johnson, that's a handful to give back for Anthony Davis. As talented as, as Anthony Davis is, I think he's a top three, top four player in the world. Um, he might end up top two. So it, 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 he's worth a lot. I just don't think that he's worth your entire asset of teams. We're talking pick assets. We're talking young and ascending and developing superstars uh, that that can develop as superstars someday. Excuse me. So, 
Um, it, I, I'm thinking, I'm looking at it from a GM perspective with Magic Johnson. It was a handful to give up, and so I, it, it's 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 tough. And now with the Lakers not being aggressive and not being able to get Anthony Davis before the deadline, now the Celtics all of a sudden come back in. The Knicks, you know, they've got max deal, uh, max uh, money to get two key free agents this summer, alongside the number one overall pick, perhaps. Uh, people that are thinking they're getting Zion Williamson, we'll see. Um, teams like the Clippers, you know, teams like Brooklyn, uh, Dark Horses. I don't think they're in the front runners, but those teams are a little Dark Horses. And Milwaukee, teams like that now come into discussion because come July 1st, Anthony Davis is definitely going to get the national recognition of all 32 teams. My my thing is this. I knew the Lakers wasn't going to get him. I didn't want him to go to the Lakers. And the reason why I say that is because if so much you give up, the Pelicans would have won that trade. If you would have looked at the roster that they have and what they'll be adding to the roster. Now, you add Kuzma with Okafor and Holiday and Randall. That's that's a, a young caliber team that could probably get a, a six or seven or eight seed with that team alone without Anthony Davis. Right. And, and at the same time, I think Boston wants to get him, but I'm not too sure because it's, it's the whole issue with Kyrie. Right. That's another issue that comes into play. What are they going to do with Kyrie at the end of when it starts July 1st? Right. Well, sources are saying that they want to build their own big three. They're saying what, what essentially what Danny Ainge is saying, you can have everybody but Kyrie and Tatum. So they want to have their big three alongside Anthony Davis with that. And, and they're saying you can have anybody you want. But the key piece is, is Kyrie going to stay, which I think he will. Um, and and are the Pelicans are going to want Tatum in a trade. That That's going to be the key piece there for Danny Ainge. That will hurt to, to have Tatum leave because he's, a, he's a, a young superstar that's coming up, averaging 20 points a game, balling for the Boston Celtics. So it would be wrong to trade him for, for Anthony Davis. But I think the best landing spot right now could be the Toronto Raptors, or it could be the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Anthony Davis need to go over to the East. Makes the East a little bit more powerful in some ways. The East is pretty weak right now. So if you bring Kawhi with with Anthony Davis to go to Toronto, that probably would make Kawhi Leonard stay in Toronto. Right. That's a, that's another piece that we're in, and you could probably sign a long-term deal with Toronto. But he only said that, I know it was a, a source came out yesterday saying that he only will sign a long-term deal with the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, and Knicks. They're the only four teams he said he would do a long... Brooklyn was added in that as well. Say what? Brooklyn was added in that as well. I don't know if he'll go to Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn's playing really well, but I think he wants to be alongside of another a real all-star. I mean, you do have uh, you know all-star replacing by you know Aladipo not being in, but you do have someone over in Brooklyn being an all-star. But I think he want to go somewhere where he thinks he can win a championship right now. Exactly. Milwaukee Bucks is the best spot, and Toronto's the best spot. I mean, if, if the Boston Celtics could get in there and get it done, they are automatically in the finals. <laughs> automatically in the finals. I'm a Sixers fan, and I love what my Sixers is doing. I know we need a guard, but that's another story for another time. I can see, I, I can see y'all definitely going to the finals if y'all pick up Andy, Anthony Davis. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And 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 you hit it right on the dot there. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. I, I actually came out yesterday and I posted on, on uh, my Instagram there that the Anthony, uh, the Bucks himself, the, the fear, the deer, the freakish nature that Giannis Antetokounmpo is, he's learning and applauding GM and, and the Bucks to get Anthony Davis. And you think about the pairing with the Greek freak and Anthony Davis, that's two of the top five players in the world on the same team. You want to talk about a team full of trees. Whoa, that that can be that can be your pantheon, your transcendent pillar cornerstone duo for like eight to ten years. These guys are still young, not even entering their prime. Um, the only thing is, I understand your argument with the Toronto Raptors and the Bucks. My only concern is this. They don't really have enough to give. The reason why that the Boston Celtics and the Lakers are not only attractive for Anthony Davis, it's because they have the most to give. When you look at the Bucks per se, as an example, you've got Chris Middleton, who's an excellent player, excellent two-way player, 
He can score the basketball and also depend a three and D guy. You also got young and ascending pieces like DJ William Wilson and also Malcolm Brogdon. Now those are key pieces. Now alongside you don't have any picks until 2024. You know, uh, you don't have any compelling rising superstars out of those players that I picked. There's not one guy that that you can say okay. In about three to five years, I can perhaps see him be a legit all-star, superstar caliber player. And when you look at Toronto, although they have great depth and great bench, their best player that they could probably give him maybe Pascal Siakam, but I'm hearing that Toronto wants to keep him. You've got Van Vliet. Um, I'm not sure if they'll maybe want to move Larry. I'm pretty sure if the Pelicans were to do a trade, they'd want Larry. So a lot of these things would happen. So I really can't see Anthony Davis going to any of those places there. Plus, he wants a big market. So um, New York, L.A., Boston, uh, you know, these 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 big markets that not only would be good for him as a player, but also financial reasons or, you know, post NBA career if he wants to do business and things like that. And so that's what I think Anthony Davis will land. I think New well, if that's the case, New York would be the best landing spot. Landing spot for me because if they if they trade again, if the Knicks trade again, because that was a shocker with with KP going to, right. to the Dallas Mavericks, that was a shocker in itself. Now, if if the Knicks do another trade to get Anthony Davis, I think that's going to attract some players to come into New York in free agency. Poss- I don't want to say it, but possibly Kyrie. It might attract Durant. It might attract a few other max contract type of players so if new york can pull this off and they got rid of kp and they could get anthony davis new york is back in town new york basketball is back if they can pull this off but i, I just don't see it. i just feel like with those young key pieces in milwaukee i think you don't have to give up much to get right. anthony davis i think you don't have to give up much you could keep middleton and probably trade at least one or two players to get Anthony Davis because if he says he wants a long contract, a long-term contract in Milwaukee and in and these other teams, you only have to give up as much. See, the Lakers was trying to give up their whole roster just to get one player with future two first-round draft picks. I don't think that's the best way to go just to get one player to team up with LeBron. Now, another thing could happen too. If the Nick, I mean, if the Lakers can go get Carmelo Anthony. Right. You can get Carmelo Anthony to add that second piece. Now you can bump down your trade and not get not give up all those players. You could just instead of five players, you could just give away two or three and what and a draft pick because you already have that superstar next to LeBron. You can do that as well. But as far as us, we're only we're only analysts, we're only podcasts. So we 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 say it from a different perspective. <laughs> we're not GM. from a general manager's perspective, but I think that would be a, a better idea since Carmel's on the free agent art market. I agreed, agreed. And and um a lot of teams are are for some reason, which is baffling to me, they're they're getting Carmelo, they're trading him for cash, or they're getting rid of him, um, which they're waving him, not even getting rid of him. Um and, and Carmelo, you know, he's I understand that he's in his latter parts of his years, but the guy can still he has a, a unique talent that not a lot of players can do. He has a knack for getting buckets. He, uh, guys like that don't grow on trees. As as old as he is, he still has a knack for getting buckets. I understand that he's a liability on defense, but he can help a Lakers off the bench. And and agreeing with you on that is yes. If they happen to get Carmelo instead of giving four first round picks, they can get two and, and perhaps lure Anthony to to Los Angeles. Um, another piece that you forgot. Um, let's say if the Lakers, for instance, um, don't happen to get Kyrie Irving or don't happen to get Anthony Davis, they can go out and get Kimball Walker uh, from Charlotte. They can go out and get Jimmy Butler, who's uh, I'm not sure if he's going to resign with your Sixers there. So um, there's other options that I think that Magic Johnson is kind of looking towards. He doesn't want to put all his eggs in one basket, knowing that as great as Anthony Davis is, will I have to trade my entire asset of teams and not have a pick for until 2023, 2024 in order to get this, this, this generational talent of Anthony Davis. Right. Right. So is, is the saga only continues with this Anthony Davis talk, Kyrie talk, even Clay Thompson talk. Like it's so much right. going on with these players. Think about everybody want to go to the Lakers. I think, so I think, 
in general, these some of these players need to think about what can I do for the East? Because right. you all stacking up on the West is making it one sided, in my opinion. It's making right. it one sided. You already have what five All Stars on the Golden State Warriors as starters by themselves. I don't understand you want to do all these super teams, but even out the playing field a little bit. See what you can do in the East. I understand the West Coast is warm, it's beautiful, it's nice out there. See what you can do. See, you start, right. Toronto. Toronto's a nice, a nice marketplace to go, in my opinion. Right. There's things to do out here in the East, man. You know what I'm saying? It's nice to come to Philadelphia. People want to come to Philadelphia. Hopefully, we can keep Jimmy Butler. But it's another topic for another time. But speaking of the East, let's talk about it. John Wall, another injury. He fell in his house and he tore his Achilles and he will be out another year. For the Washington Wizards, if you were the GM and the owner, would you get rid of John Wall or would you keep him and let him heal? Um, this is tough. Uh, personally, from a from a, a fan's perspective, um, I'm a huge John Wall fan as well as Damian Lillard fan. Um, these two brothers are, are, are dynamic as, as players. Um, John Wall, coming into the league um, out of Kentucky, this guy was just like a De'Anne Fox. Just one motor, fast, can get to the bucket. And he's learned and developed into a great point guard. You know, in the last two seasons, he's averaged a double-double, um, second in the league in assist. And, he, and he's a great defender as well from the point guard's position. Excellent size, ex- excellent NBA size at that point guard frame. And so if I was the GM, this is tough. I've got Bradley Beal, um, who's an excellent scorer and, uh, you know, an all-star himself. It's tough. As great as John Wall is, I'm I'm thinking about moving him. Here's why. One, he just signed that max four-year, $170 million contract. As great as he is, and he's not going to be there for a year, almost two years, I got to get rid of those that bad contract right there. Try to move him. Um, send him maybe send him to Memphis. Uh, Mike Conley wants out of, of the Grizzlies. Mike Conley is an excellent, and I mean an underrated point guard. He's the type of guy that can win you a series in the postseason. He can win you a first-round series. He can win you a second-round series. Obviously, he's going to need help moving on forward as in conference finals or NBA finals to uh, do that. But he he's that type of talent at the point guard position that can win you a series. And and pairing up with Bradley Beal, he's more of a facilitator rather than John Wall being a scorer and a facilitator. And so if, if I'm the GM, I actually explore these options. I'm not saying that I would trade John Wall because the John Walls again don't grow on trees. I mean, <laughs> what, what the guy can do um, from coast to coast, from end to end. I mean, only Russell Westbrook comes to mind as in terms of just raw talent and, and as in terms of speed and aggression and explosiveness. But I would l- look and explore and come with the ideas, the options. What it, what is his trade value? I'd 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 talk to a couple teams. I would entertain a couple offers, seeing what I could get. In return for John Wall. It'll be tough to trade John Wall, in my opinion, knowing that he already had heel surgery and just <clears> tore his Achilles. Now, if you go and get a Mike Conley, you won't get a John Wall right now. So it kind of hurt the Grizzlies in that aspect. Now, it's been talks about, you know, Grizzlies trading Conley to the Utah Jazz for Rubio. It's kind of what makes sense trade there. But, uh, I mean, I would trade... Um, Indiana's in the mix as well with Oladipo's injury. Yeah, so Oladipo is like, I think this is like his first major injury outside of John Wall always being injured majority right. of the time. So it's kind of a it's kind of a different situation with Oladipo because Oladipo, they already know he's going to come back. He's going to bounce back and still be the, the face of the Indiana Pacers. John Wall, we already know he's already the face of the Wizards, but he just can't stay on the basketball court. And right. it just it's just a repeated injury over and over. But if you want to send him to a team, send him to a team where you can get some type of value right. at the at the big man spot and at the guard spot. Yes, even indeed. If you, even if you want to do the Grizzlies, get something, get put put it in a package deal with Gasol and Conley for John Wall and at least somebody else. I, I don't know what, who that other person would be. Or you could do some type of three way trade where he could go somewhere and somebody else could go somewhere and just make it an even trade. John Wall is explosive. He could score. He could pass. It's just that his he's so injury prone. It's just like, can you trust right. him 
majority of the year. And that's that's the only issue that the Wizards really have at that guard and big man position. They got a nice four. They got a two-guard in Bradley Bill. You just need that steady facilitator like a Mike Conley or a Ricky Rubio. You could do one of those type of guys. So with him hurting his Achilles right now, that's going to be out for the next two years. With that contract, you're going to have to re- reconstruct it or you're going Tough. to have to – I mean, I mean, you don't want to waive him. You don't want to waive him while he's under contract. You really don't want to do that. You got to get some type of value for him, get some type of cash, get some type of trades. But somebody should be looking into trying to, you know, move John Wall, in my opinion. It's just, it's just hard to see it happen. Agreed. And it hurts to see it happen. Here's the problem with the Wizards. The Wizards are stuck because they've got two excellent players, and their two excellent players are in their backcourt with Bradley Beal and John Wall. Um other than that, they really don't have any depth. They lack depth. You've got Jeff Green. He's good. Um, Dwight Howard's supposed to do be something. He's not quite the guy that he once was in his prime. So they're stuck with that. And I think the Gortat trade, losing that big man was huge. Because when Gortat... They should never trade him in the first place. Right. The, the, the high screen pick and roll with John Wall and Gortat was excellent. For, for the Wizards, along with Trevor Ariza. That's another guy that they really miss. Mm-hmm. And so they really got to explore options. Okay, if I trade John Wall, can I get a guy that can play a role of a Trevor Ariza, um, even though they have him back now? Uh, can I get a guy that can be competent or even better than, than what Dwight Howard is now? Dwight Howard's in your prototypical center, but can I get a guy that can stretch the floor? Can I get a, a, a big that can stretch the floor? So you got to think about all of the, and explore all these options for John Wall because for 24 months, almost two years, and with that massive contract that he's got, that's a handful for any franchise, and, and that's a cap hit right there. Yeah, that's a big cap for it. I absolutely agree. But hopefully, you know, John Wall could get back to full recovery. I hope it's not the same Achilles that he just got the hill surgery on. Hopefully, that's not oh, the case. Yeah. Hopefully no that's doubt. Because that's, that's two type of healings that's going to take a long time. You're already out for the hill, and then the same foot was the Achilles. That's going to be tough. That's Real tough. tough. In, in my opinion. But um, we do have some basketball games coming on tonight. We do have um, some college basketball games coming tonight. The number one superstar in college basketball, Zion Williamson. Do you think the Knicks is in the run to get him, or do it comes down to the lottery pick? Because I have an issue with the NBA lottery pick. I think it should be like the NFL. I think it should be the worst team in the NBA to the best team in the NBA in the draft. I think the lottery pick, it gives better teams better picks, in my opinion. I think the worst team should get the top pick, and it should go in order of how how the season went. So that's a two question. That's a two question for you. That do you think the lottery pick should be changed to the NFL format, and do you think Zion Williamson is going to go to the New York Knicks? So to answer the first question, there um, it builds parity. I, I, I like it. You want mayhem. This is why we, as consumers and as fans and as podcasters, of course, we love sports. We love the unknown and and, and what we don't expect. If you change it to the NFL format, like. The Arizona Cardinals. They were the worst team this year. They got the top pick in the draft order. Um, right now, that would probably be Phoenix, the Bulls, or, or something like that. Or Cleveland. If, or, or Cleveland. Yeah. If if you did if you did it like that, everybody would know the unknown, and they would kind of you know uh, strategize for it. With the lottery, you really don't know. And what I like about it is. It's a raffle, and any team can be drawn and picked. And it, it makes sense, you know? The Knicks have been bad for you. When you think about the Knicks, um, I'm a 90s guy. When I think about the Knicks, I think of free agents, and I think of big stars. You think of the Bernard Kings of the world, the late Patrick Ewing, Allen Houston, Carmelo Anthony. It only makes sense for Zion Williamson to be the, the great one, the next great one, the next great guy in the garden, the mecca. It... it, it it only makes sense for 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 the Knicks to to draft him. Porzingis was supposed to be that. Obviously, he didn't want to be there. But Zion, you can tell that the the minute that he steps foot inside MSG, the media and the fans will just embrace him. And so, do I think the Knicks will get him? Well, 
they have a 14% chance of getting them. That's better than zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's up for grabs. You really can't say that they are definitively going to get him. But it, it makes sense that the Knicks, if they were to get the number one overall pick, they come to him. And not only that, Zion Williamson himself, let's say the Knicks don't get any draft picks, right? They don't get any free agents this season, although they have max space for two. Zion Williamson himself, I believe, is transcendent talent. Like, once-in-a-generation talent. I mean, this guy is box office. He himself alone is going to make uh, free agents want to come to New York. I mean, Zion Williamson, <laughs> for me, I you know, I thought that he was just a highlight real dunker. Um, Dominique Wilkins, a Blake Griffin guy. He's shown me, along with the coaching of Coach K, that he's not only that guy, he can step out of 15 to eight feet, 15 to 18 feet and shoot mid-range jump shots. He can shoot the three, although he's not a volume shooter yet. He can put the ball on the floor, attack you, lay it in. It's not a finesse player. He's more talented than I I, I didn't think as well. And I can tell you right now, he's going to be the consensus number one overall pick. Now, if the Knicks are not that number one overall pick, did they lose out? But Zion Williamson has proved to, proven to me as well. I thought he was a highlight reel. I thought he was an Instagram highlight reel where we found him. And Coach K is, is molded him to be ready for the NBA. No doubt. He could run up and down the floor. He could defend. He could post up. I think he's better in the post outside of the little 15 or 18 footer. I mean, if he could, if he could put his back to the basket and be a dominant force, if he could get some more post moves, there's no way – you pass up on Zion Williamson, no matter who it, you are at number one. I don't care if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves at number one. You don't pass up on a guy like Zion Williamson. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you hit it right on the dot there, uh, my man. You, you you have Zion Williamson. When I looked at him, I thought, okay, he has a LeBron James body, but he can jump through the roof like Vince Carter. We He's haven't seen a talent. than LeBron James, too. Exactly. And we haven't seen a talent like that in the NBA perhaps ever. And then now we're figuring out through Coach K, and I thought that was the best thing for him. He could have went to Kentucky, Kansas, anywhere, but he decided to go to Coach K and get coached by Coach K mm-hmm. to develop this game. And now we're finding out that he's not only a finesse guy, he could shoot, he can put his back to the basket, he he can attack you on high screen and rolls. He see a smaller guy on him. He's going downhill. He sees a bigger guy, a big on him. He'll take him to the basket. And what is compelling to me, and I don't think if you've seen this, he can guard one through five. Mm-hmm. That right there as a GM, I love because that creates versatility. You're telling me I can draft a guy that can guard one through five. Zion Williamson, look out. Mm. The guy's amazing. Him and R.J. Barrett, they both lengthy as ever. Two different styles, but they are number one and two in this draft and coming up soon. So I this is going to be interesting to watch on what teams you know get number one and one or two in this lottery pick. If my Sixers get at least a number two pick, don't pass it with R.J. Barrett. I'm just like, you know that right now, Sixers. Well, on my big board, um, when I did my mock draft, I actually had uh, Joe Murray out of Murray State. Um, I think mm. he's – I put him a little bit ahead of, of R.J. Barrett. Now, R.J. Barrett himself has a unique talent that a lot of players don't have. He's a bucket getter. Right. He's an elite scorer. Um, but what I like about Morant is he's explosive. I mean, the, the highlights just speak for its own. This brother jumping from the free throw line and, and, and slamming it home – He's a facilitator. He's the only guy in Division One right now. Twenty points per game, uh, eleven assists a game. So he's he's getting it done, and he's getting his teammates involved. And also, he can guard. He is a legit six six at the point guard position, and can guard one through to three. And that's compelling to me. That's why I had him a little bit higher on my big board at two, just because of his versatility. And I think that he he's a franchise changing type of player right behind it i had buried at three no doubt this guy can really score the basketball mm. well sixers if you get at least top three top five don't pass up with any of these players that's all i'm gonna say for my sixes even if, listen if the celtics even in that top five in that lottery pick same don't pass up yo we y'all got jason tatum listen that changed a lot y'all, right. y'all, y'all picked well with him especially which y'all, which y'all got him with the number two number three pick 
Well, we we had the top pick, and then we traded down with Philly and 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 um, kind of robbed them to get Tatum. So they have faults, and then we got Tatum. But yeah. I mean, frankly, Danny Ainge has really been Robin's team since he's been GM. As <laughs> yeah, uh, to the you know Markel Fultz, I just don't, I just don't care for him. I just hope we treat him, get 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 him out of here. I don't want to get too much into that, but I do want to get into this. I did see this yesterday as well. What Kobe Bryant said about James Harden. I don't know if you saw it. Yes, I did. That he said that. That he said that Kobe Kobe Bryant said that James Harden won't win a championship if he's like I guess he said something about him having the ball too much. They won't win a championship if he has the ball too much in his hands. So I absolutely agree with that. I feel like he has the ball in his hand a little bit too much. But you're looking at a look at the coach as well, Mike D'Antoni. He's a fast paced type of coach. Wanna run up and down the floor. But you can't win games if you're scoring 46 and nobody else is in double figures. You're not going to win basketball games like that. That's like saying that's like saying you score 50 and I score 8 and we lose the game. What was the point of you scoring 50 for? Like you score 50 to lose. I don't see I don't see the Rockets winning because don't know the health of Chris Paul. Don't know if he's going to be able to play the whole playoffs. One, two. We don't know. I think Capella's done for the year, ain't he? I'm not too sure what Capella's injury was, but we have not seen him lately. And I don't know. Getting rid of Trevor Ariza was a was a huge spot of why they shouldn't have got rid of him. Bledsoe is good. PJ Tucker's good, but I just don't see it. The more James Harden got the ball in his hand, I think the lack of trying to win a championship, the Rockets won't win one. No doubt, and 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 I find it ironic. You, me, as a Celtics fan, Kobe Bryant was just a, a nightmare to to guard. Um, so I found it interesting because Kobe himself was a, a guy like James Harden, um, a maestro at drawing contact. Um, you know, getting to the foul line at at will, getting anywhere at that he wants with the basketball and scoring on you. I mean, this guy was just a, an assassin's mentality and just a nightmare to be in front. And James Harden has become that guy. And so I thought it was funny, uh, 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 you know, LeBron, uh, Kobe Bryant coming out and saying that um, that type of talent won't win in the NBA. But but you you were that guy once. And so I thought it was a little bit funny. Uh, but I do agree with them because um, James Harden, I've said he is in the discussion perhaps – as maybe one of the best offensive weapons that the league has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kobe was great, but Kobe didn't have the handles that James Harden had. He didn't have the passing and the and the facilitating ability that he has. Now, he has the mentality to win games. That's what James Harden doesn't have yet. But as in terms of an overall just offensive juggernaut, I don't think the league's ever seen in that. And so... He's basically saying that James Harden, you won't win like that in a po- right now, especially in the postseason. The postseason teams are going to key on you and say, "Hey, we're going to get the ball out of your hands. We got to see what House can do. We got to see what Austin Rivers can do. We got to see what PJ Tucker can do. Um, we know that you can beat us. We don't know what they can." And so, the return of Chris Paul is going to be pivotal for them because that's going to have more ability for James Harden to have off-ball duties rather than dominating the ball that he normally does. Um, and 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 Dan Tony, I believe, is going to have to adjust. You know, Dan Tony's this guy that says, we're going to bomb and attempt 33s. We don't matter if we make eight of them. We're just, that's how, that's the style that we play. Well, I think he's going to have to adapt to that because when you're playing the Golden State Warriors, you're playing right into their hands. They're a three-point shooting team. You're not going to be. You're not going to outscore the Golden State Warriors, especially right now. So, um, coming into the postseason, it's going to be difficult. And I agree with you. I don't think this year that the Rockets are the the team that's going to be second fiddle to the Warriors to contend with them. I actually have the Oklahoma City Thunder as that team thus far. I. You hit it on the money. But there's the there's the difference between Kobe Bryant's teams and James Harden's teams. Kobe Bryant was able to able Kobe Bryant had a good amount of big men. He had a good amount of role players that could score as well. The problem with I have with the Rockets is 
outside of James Harden and Chris Paul, who do you really have as that third scorer? Right. That's my issue. Like, say, when Kobe was playing, he had a, a Gasol in his prime that could give you 14, 15 points. And then you had, and then you had, um, at the, even. You had Lamar over there. You had Derek Fisher. Yeah, you had guys. Fisher. Yeah, you had the people that could give you, you know, at least a small of double figures, like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. With the Rockets, you're not getting that from P.J. Tucker. You're not getting right. that from Eric Bledsoe. Eric Gordon is Eric supposed Gordon, to be my like, bad. Eric Gordon. Yeah. Eric Gordon is supposed to be that guy, but he's a very streaky guy. I believe his best days are behind him in, with the Pelicans. Um, so it, it's tough. It, it's really tough. Really tough. And, and frankly, it's not his fault. He's he's carrying the team because he has to. I mean, he's dominating the ball. He has to. It's not that he's dominating the ball and and they're losing and he ha- and he's you know he's hogging the ball per se. He's carrying a float. This uh, this uh, Rockets team that's a five or six seed right in the West until Chris Paul gets back, right. um, so they can really get the engine running that the the, the Rockets that that who, that they are. You know, they're they're juggernaut offensive unit, and so he's doing what he has to do. But I agree with you. Come postseason time, that mileage is really going to carry with them. He's already top three in the NBA in minutes, and so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I, if I were um, Dan Marley, the GM for for the Rockets, I would consider talking to Dan Tony and saying we've got to try to limit his minutes. We've got to try to probably get some, maybe another ball handler before the trade deadline. Maybe another shooter to, you know, to go a lot uh, to go alongside James Harden in the dynamic player that he is. Because come postseason time, what if Chris Paul isn't available? We need to have another ball handler. As well, and so that that's that's something I would definitely consider. Yeah, even even whoever's that backup for Chris Paul, like I mean Austin Rivers, I don't, I don't really don't, I'm not really a big fan of. He has not had a best best of career since he's came in, so I'm not really trusted to put the ball in his hands there with that topic. Um, so let's go strictly from the NBA to the NFL. It's been a lot of stuff going on in the NFL. But let's talk about it. The Super Bowl. What a horrible Super Bowl. <laughs> live stream this, live commentary, live play-by-play, and it was the most boring NFL game this year. I have to say it. I, I don't <laughs> say how the Super Bowl was just as bad as the halftime show. But right. I want to get it. That was really bad. That was really bad. Yeah. It was a terrible halftime show. Terrible. I actually want, ended up watching um, WWE Halftime Heat instead of watching the, the halftime show. So that that's another topic with wrestling for another time on, uh, on that. But the Rams, three points. Three points. Do you feel like the Patriots won this game or the Rams lost this game? This is a very interesting question. Um, I think if you told the Rams, I think if you're the coach of the Rams, somebody told you it would be 3-3 going into the fourth quarter, would you take that? Would you sign up for that? Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, I think I'm that, and I agree. I, if I was Sean McVay, I would, I would sign up for that as well. That tells me that, okay, our defense has been dominating thus far, and we've been paying attention to details. That two weeks to prepare has really paid dividends for us because we're limiting Brady possessions. We're domi- and, and, and that would tell me Donick and Sue and Aaron Donald is dominating inside the trenches. And frankly, that's what it was. Brady looked rather pedestrian, you know. The run game was there, um, and you, you know, they, they were running the football, but Pat in the passing game, outside of Edelman, guys like Hogan wasn't getting separation. Gronk was limited, and so the the Rams actually really took advantage of that two weeks to prepare leading up to the Super Bowl. At and and like I said, it was three three going into the fourth quarter. Now his difference difference is <laughs> you argue you got the best coach and the best quarterback of all time two weeks to prepare. Bill Belichick. Out of everybody, the only guy I can really think about is Greg Popovich in the last 20 years. There's no coach 
that I think that game plans better with less talent than Popovich and Bill Belichick. These two guys, words don't speak enough for how great that they are. Bill Belichick, can you really name a superstar on that defense outside of Stephon Gilmore in the all-pro corner? It, it, you know, maybe Hightower was a yeah, great I middle. Say that Hightower. Other than that, or I mean, Van Noy. or Van Noy as well. But outside of that, I mean, these guys are just like, you know, scraps. <laughs> but yeah. you, you you gave Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare, and then you have a young quarterback, Jared Goff. I mean, Tony Romo was telling it; he was missing reads. You can tell he's a young quarterback. The pressure was there all night long. I mean, endless pressure up front. And Bill Belichick did a fantastic job. Mitch saying that, okay, we know that Gurley is dominant as you are, and we understand that you are all-time great. We're not going to let you beat us. So, And I think he was banged up as well. And so the game came down to Goff's hands, and you just knew the way that the game it was going, that although it was 3-3, if Brady just had a chance to get inside the Rams' Uh, uh, territory close to the red zone, they would make a player two to win this game. Jared Goff was not built for this moment. I felt that Sean McVay, as a play caller, didn't do a fantastic job uh, uh, game planning this game. For me, a guy, uh, uh, for me, knowing that I have Jared Goff as a young quarterback, automatically Todd Gurley. I don't care how injured you are, you're getting 25 touches. You, you just got to. You're you're my franchise player on the offensive side of the football. You're getting 25 touches, and I think he didn't really do a good job with that, and he said in a post-game conference he regrets that. But at the end of the day, words don't express how six rings, Belichick and Brady, game planning. They game plan better than anybody. And what I like about them is they can morph from something to something else game to game. Looking at that Chiefs game, Brady threw the ball 50 times. This game, he only threw the ball for only 30 times. They morph. And they're a kind of chameleon offense. They morph to something different every time. And I thought that they did a fantastic job doing that. And props to them. Tom Brady, um, the GOAT that he already is, just solidifying another token in his legacy. You know what was the Rams missing in this offense was Cooper Cup. No doubt. I think the Cooper Cup injury went down. And it really hurt the Rams going down into the regular season, going into the postseason. That was golf security blanket. Like Brady is to Edelman, golf was to Cooper Cup. Ten carries for Todd Gurley. Not gonna cut it. Disappointing. Disappointing. But here's my thing: you brought in C.J. Anderson for a reason. He played well in the playoffs. He was actually moving the ball, giving you at least four to five yards a pop. As him in in, in the in the backfield, I understand he's not the catching type of running back. But I think if what the Rams could have did was get those five yards of pop, keep running that ball, it would make the defense honest. It would have opened up for Brandon Cooks. It would have opened up for Robert Woods. And none of the tightness caught a catch for the Rams in this Super Bowl. None. Not Higby or not uh, Everett. Even though they don't even have a catch in this game. Gronk had six receptions. Had 80 yards, but... He was effective when it was needed right up the seam. Y'all was stopping that all game for the Rams. But in, in my opinion, I think this was karma for the Rams. <laughs> and I'm just going to be honest. I think it was karma. I think the Rams was not meant to be there. No doubt. I know that people want to say, oh, the call is over and it happened. Understanding that. But if we would have had a competitive game if the Saints would have been in, coming out of the NFC. Yes, it no would doubt. have been way more competitive. No doubt. Way more. Because you had two running backs that's healthy. That's one with Kamara and Ingram. And you had a monster of a guy in Michael Thomas. Right. If, if, if you've if, got Drew Brees at the Hall of Famer. Brees and Brady would be excellent to watch. Right. Brees versus Brady we, in the Super Bowl. And knowing the, the careers that they passed, the careers, what they passed on, like with the records they did in the, in the regular season, just to see them meet up in the Super Bowl. It would have made it would have made sense. I mean, I did have my, my storybook and it was Saints and Chargers just because of the backstory of Breeze used to be That was my pick. That was my pick as well. You you know, Breeze used to be a Charger and they drafted Phillip Rivers after they left after they got rid of Breeze. 
see, see Philip Rivers and Breeze in there after that whole storyline, that was my two picks to go to the Super Bowl. But you got to give Brady and his Patriots team some credit. They they did what they supposed to do with Burkhead and Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle had a phenomenal season as a rookie. Burkhead no is, is just one of those bruiser type of running backs where he could dominate you in the fourth quarter. Look what he did in the Super Bowl and in the AFC Championship. He did it both. And Julian Edelman, like, that's another question I do want to be, people. People saying that this guy is not a Hall of Famer. I think he is. He passed Jerry Rice for most receptions in the Super Bowl. That's accomplishment there. He and, he's, and he's second in NFL history in most receptions by a receiver. Yep. So, in my, agree, in, my, in my opinion, yes. How do you feel? Do you feel like he's – I don't think he's the first ballot, but I think he is a Hall of Fame. Here's the thing. So America knows I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Brady guy. So uh, uh, I, by default, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. But um, Julian Edelman, it's tough because you ask yourself this. A guy like Isaac Bruce that used to play for the greatest show on turf, the Rams, Kurt Warner, Mike Marshall, Falk, Torrey Holt, he's got 15,000 receiving yards, right? Mm-hmm. Till this day, he hasn't made the, the – the, he hasn't been in, in Canton, Ohio. He hasn't been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So you've got guys like Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward has identical numbers to what Julian Edelman has for his career. Heinz Ward and is also a Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl 40 against the Seahawks. And so you ask yourself, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I, I Julian Edelman is a champion, three-time champion. He is a fierce competitor. I remember the hit that Cam Chancellor gave him in Super Bowl 49. He got up and continued to get four or five yards. This guy is, I mean, he's hard-nosed, man. He's tough. Um, but there's no no lacking about his production. On the field with, with Brady, he's really good. What what The argument is going to be this. If Edelman were to play on another team outside of the Patriots system, would he be this successful? I think he would. I don't think, I don't, I don't think at this level because, you know, obviously he's a product of Tom Brady. But, you know— I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. It's just hard for a receiver to really get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You've got guys like Isaac Bruce, who still hasn't gone in yet. Santonio Holmes. Um, You know, Santonio Holmes is a two-time champion and also has numbers that compare with Julian Edelman. One of the greatest catches of all time from Santonio Holmes as well. right. Right. So... It's it's tough. It's tough, but I'm I'm gonna say no. I'm, I'm gonna say no. Uh, it, that's kind of you being a Patriots fan and actually saying that. That's kind of tough. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just something about his. I think we're in the all we're in the NFL office where that slot receiver is needed. Right. And that's why I feel like he deserves to be in. It's not a lot of slot receivers that get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But if you look at his stats, and if he keeps growing on his stats and keeps playing at a high level the way he is every single year, mind you, he came off of an ACL injury on top of that. So, can't, I, I got to put him up there. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's a first ballot, but I think he's going to get in eventually. Well, well, if, if he continues in this route, let's say Brady, he says he wants to play till 45. I don't know. But let's say... Julian Edelman already has the rings. Three is is excellent. Three is enough. Um, what I would say is if he continues to progress as in terms of his numbers, as in terms of his individual statistics, there's no there's no saying that he won't get in. He's already got the individual accolades and the team accolades with the Super Bowl rings. He's just really got to up his individual stats um, as a performer, whether that be receptions, whether that be catches and things like that or whether that be touchdown catches and single seasons, things like that, there's always room for growth. Now, obviously, he's in the latter parts of his career. He's over 30. Um, but let's say he plays till 45. That's four more years of maybe great football from Tom Brady. Edelman can definitely benefit off of that, and his numbers are only going to progress through that. So there's always going to be um, hopes for him to get in. And I agree with you. If he does get in, he may not be first ballot, but he, he, he'll probably do get in. As of right now, if I were to vote, I would say no. All right. Okay. Now, speaking of Patriots, 
I want to just say this because I know y'all have a dynasty going on, and I know I want to have this debate with you, and I know you probably gonna be like, "Here we go," because I am a Oakland Raiders fan. Do you feel if it wasn't for that tuck rule, would you still have this dynasty? Thank you to us. I had to bring it up because this, this dynasty thing is kind of cringing me a little bit. Me being a, a diehard Raiders fan since 1999. Listen, I, I, I know my Raiders are doing bad right now, but do you feel that tuck rule changed the aspect of y'all getting that dynasty? It really factors into it. It does. Um, I would say that, let's say, for instance, that the the Patriots don't go to that Super Bowl. Let's say it end up being the Raiders and the Rams in that Super Bowl rather than the Patriots and the Rams and they advance to um to that Super Bowl there. Um I still believe that you've got the core nucleus. That's Brady, that's Kraft, that's Belichick. That core nucleus is still intact. I still think that they would have figured out a way later on to get um uh, 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 to, to still have this dynasty going. I mean you've got great players there's a lot of patriot haters out there, and and um and I think that America as a whole is 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 patriots and haters, and I I believe that when Brady and Belichick retires, we're taking this for granted. Uh, this will never be done ever in a modern era. What we're seeing right now, think about this: the Patriots have won Super Bowls, but Brady Brady's won rings in his twenties, thirties, and forties. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you think that that will ever happen again? It's what we're seeing is just astronomical greatness and so um yes the tech wheel factored into it but I, I i still think that brady and belichick they would they would this would have still been done obviously that play right there that's a key play because it started the the dynasty right there but let's say that didn't happen let's say the raiders got into the super bowl and they actually won um do i think that the patriots would still be this dynasty absolutely Okay, I'll see it from your perspective. I just feel like you just got to thank us for starting a dynasty. Just thank us. Thank, thank Charles, Charles, thank you Charles Wilson, you know. Charles Wilson, man, because, you know, he had to tackle his former quarterback at Michigan. You right. know, so. But as far as my Raiders go, my Raiders is not looking so well right now. Um, I all know that we all moved to Vegas in 2020. Um, San, Fran- San Francisco don't not want us to play at Oracle Park in San Fran because we're not playing in Oakland this year. I don't know what to think of this. Um, As far as the Raiders fans go, it just hurts to see that we don't have a stadium to play in this year. So I'm trying to figure out what is going on with my Raiders right now. And since Mike Mayock is the GM, how do you feel about, you know, him coming in, being a GM and being an actual player personnel type of GM? Huge. Absolutely huge. Um, you 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 took those ties away from John Gruden. First of all, I thought that John Gruden, you guys overpaid for him. Um, and he got there and he just cleaned house. As soon as he got there, Mac out the door. Regret. Mamari Cooper out the door. Regret. Um, so and it seems that David uh, Derek Carr per se is is um, leaving. All signs show that he's leaving. I also think that's a regret. This is a guy in a couple years ago that had a twelve and four season, so he's got talent. Um, but Mike Mayock getting those ties and actually being GM and having John Gruden focus on coaching is huge. And here's why. You're not going to see those stupid mistakes anymore. I thought Mac and Amari Cooper are mistakes. Those guys don't grow on trees. Obviously, you've seen what Khalil Mack did with the Bears this year. Immediate impact. Same so, for the Dallas Cowboys and Amari Same back for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so he's going to come in. And what the – the, the Oakland Raiders are banking on right now. They have three, potentially four first-round picks. You got to strike gold on those. You have to. Um, you've got one in the top five. I believe you have another one in the top 15. So your second one in the top 15. So they've really got to start drafting and developing their young players. And hopefully they turn out to be the Max, the Omari Coopers of the world. Um, and so when Mike Mayock being the GM and also a personnel guy knowing how to scout prospects i think that's huge because you had to get that rid that 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 key right there 
that key of power away from John Gruden because you want John Gruden to make another mistake because he's already making two mistakes. And so, and he hasn't been um, a full year <laughs> under his coaching belt. So that's going to be tough. As in terms of where to play, that's, that's always hard. Um, I'm hearing that they want to play, they're probably going to play in the Giants um, ballpark, the, the baseball ballpark, which is going to be tough. Um, not a lot of fan base there until you get to that monstrous dome that they're building in 2020 in Vegas. So it's tough sled for the Oakland Raiders, but I do think that they've got the right guy as a GM. And if they can strike gold with these first round picks, they can perhaps build something for their future. Now, we all know that I absolutely agree with you that we overpaid for John Gruden. I think we should have had Jack, we should have kept Jack Del Rio to have to redeem himself because <laughs> we went 12 and 4 with him. Right. And Derek Carr got hurt. I think if Derek Carr wouldn't have got hurt, that was a Super Bowl run for us, in, in my opinion. Because we, we, we could have, we could have, we could have beat anybody in that first round if Derek Carr was playing. And I'm just, right. our defense was playing okay. Our office was clicking with Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Jared Cook. We Seth Holmes. Yep. Yep. We had a nice, pretty good offense. And then that next year, Jack Del Rio goes six and ten. I think it should have been a this should have been a redemption year for him. Because all right. the, the, the people that you named, Amari Cooper, Jack Del Rio drafted, Khalil Mack, Jack Del Rio drafted. Most of the- I, didn't deserve, I didn't think he deserved to get to get uh, left. I would have. I agree with you. I would have re-signed him again, knowing and say, "Hey, show me this year you're in a hot seat." I agree with that. Right, and I felt like he should have. He should have stayed there, and for him to get fired, knowing it was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, I think he could have had that in check. I think most coaches in the NFL, if you have a winning season next year and you fall off the next year, by six to ten is not really that bad. They panic. <laughs> yeah, they panic. You know, uh, if you if it was like two on fourteen, I would understand. But we won six games the next year. That's still better than half of the teams that never really make the playoffs in the last five years. Honestly, in my opinion, like it's still better than the Browns' record. It was still better than a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs. Like it was better than the Cardinals' record. Six and ten was not bad. I just feel like he didn't have a chance to redeem himself as a coach. We didn't yeah. give him a chance at all. So Oakland Raiders. Or whatever you want to call yourself, according to next year, John Green, you got to get it right, man. I'm calling you out. Or it's going to be an AAP out for your hiring because we need we you gonna pay you you here for the next ten years, well next nine years now. So Oakland, you got to get it together. Simple as that. We're gonna to move to this beautiful stadium in Vegas. If we don't have the winning product on the field. What is the point of that stadium? Period. Yeah, that's it. Period. Um, another qu- another stuff I wanted I wanted to get into. What is your opinion on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and how you feel they they went on how you how you feel how they went about the season, and where you think they're going to fall in place? Are they still going to be Pittsburgh still about a season start, or you think they're going to be on different teams? So um, I, I think that I've. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, or perhaps a month ago, I addressed this. I said Le'Veon Bell out the door. I said Antonio Brown out the door. Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, those those two key players are over. You have the killer bees. You had Ben Bell Brown, Ben Bell Brown, the three bees, killer bees. That's what they that, that's what their nicknames were. Arguably the best receiver in the game. I believe he is. Um, arguably the best, the top back in the game. He's top two, top three. Le'Veon Bell, and you can find a way to, to to make it happen. Now, along with that, I'll say Bell and and Brown; these guys are are big personalities in the locker room. They can be good, they can be bad, they can be headaches, whatever you want to perceive them as. So, they're both going to be gone. Um, I think that Pittsburgh is a very good franchise. Instead of the, the Oakland Raiders, they do a very good job in personnel developing with their young draft picks. I think they love what they have in James Conner. I think they love what they have in Juju Smith-Schuster being the number one now with, with Antonio Brown leaving. He's only 20 years old. So um, I, I think that they're probably going to want to draft a quarterback knowing that Big Ben is in the latter parts of his career. 
try to you know mold somebody to be ready in a couple seasons. But Ben and Brown are gone. For best fit for for Le'Veon Bell, I said Indianapolis Colts. You pair him up with uh, Frank Wright, that explosive offense. Marlon Mack, yep, and and you've got him alongside with Andrew Luck, who I think is is uh, talent wise is a top five quarterback in this league. And you've got T. Y. Hilton, and you can and, and things like that. And that also goes along with Antonio Brown. You give um, Andrew Luck outside of T. Y. Hilton a legit other number one, and Antonio Brown, <laughs> look out for the Colts. So. Um, those players could potentially land in Indy. I've been hearing a lot of 49ers. Um, been hearing that uh, Shanahan and, and, and Garoppolo really wants a number one for Garoppolo. So uh, you could see, you know, a brown head in there. Jerry Rice is vouching for him as well. Um, but And the Jets. Jets have a lot of money. Maybe their young quarterback, maybe you give the young quarterback a guy that he can just hand the ball off, not to – give the entire pressure of Sam Darnold the football to always throw it. So those couple teams come into mind, but as in terms of still being in Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, their their days in Pittsburgh are definitely gone. I absolutely have to agree to that in my personal opinion there. Um I just don't know where Antonio Brown's gonna gonna fall at. I feel like a lot of people are saying that he's going to the 49ers. Um I think he wants to be there, but I just don't know where Antonio Brown's going to fall. There are so many places to drop for Le'Veon Bell. Um, I'm not an Eagles fan, but the Eagles need a running back. The question is, is they going to pay the Eagles for, you know, if, if they're going to pay Le'Veon, if they're going to pay Le'Veon Bell, that is the question. Because um, I live in Philadelphia and I'm not an Eagles fan. So those Eagles fans out there, just letting y'all know now, I'm not an Eagles fan. So, um, but it's so many places that Le'Veon Bell can go. The Jets already backed out of it, saying that they're not paying that big money for Le'Veon Bell. They're not going to put out all that money for him, knowing they have other spots that need to be filled. So, um, Indianapolis right. Coast is the best place, in my opinion. You have it. You have a quarterback in Andrew Luck. I agree. Where they have, they have upgraded their offensive line. They kept protected by Andrew Luck. Naeem Himes and Marlon Mack and you might have to get rid of Jordan Wilkins. Jordan Wilkes. You might have to get rid of him. Um but now outside of Le'Veon Bell, if you give him that contract, what you gonna do at that wide receiver spot? Because that's what they're missing in Indianapolis. They miss it at second wide receiver outside of T. Y. Hilton. You had And that's why I think Brown is a significantly better fit for Indianapolis. You put Antonio Brown on one side. You put T.Y. Hilton on another side. T- tell me, tell me what team going to want to deal with that. So, I mean, what's secondary going to want to deal with that? Because we all know Andrew Luck is a gunslinger. Uh, he's got a cannon of an arm. And he can sling it 60, 70 yards down. He would love to have toys in that offense to play around with Brown and T.Y. Hilton on the opposite side. Not saying that Bell wouldn't fit, but I think the – it's a match make if you have T.Y. on one side, Antonio Brown on the other side. And then I think that Marlon Mack is still pretty good. He's not the talent that Bell is. But if you can have him as the hammer, you can have Hine as the pass catcher, and you can have those two duos, oh, Lord, look out for Indianapolis. So Indianapolis, if you have that cap space to even do some type of trade to get rid of Antonio Brown, because I think Antonio Brown still under contract. With the Pittsburgh, still, if you can get some type of value for him, do it. Indianapolis, do it. No I think he, he he could be over in NFC and play in San Fran, but right now, if you want to win a Super Bowl and you know it's a team that's closer than the 49ers winning a Super Bowl, go to the Indianapolis Colts. They were there. I mean, if they, I think they would have played better if they would have had a second receiver. T.Y. Hilton was still nicked up. Ebron didn't really play his best, but you didn't have that actual receiver. And again, you have, and that's why I think Antonio Brown is the perfect match. You have, because if you have two great receivers like that, obviously they're going to try to key on them and double, but you can't because you have Ebron over the middle. He's going to occupy over the middle. Mm -hmm. And then when he occupies that, you're talking about one-on-one matchups for Antonio Brown, one-on-one matchups for T.Y. Hilton, 
that smells trouble for any defensive coordinator. So I I agree with you. If they just played a little bit better, their defense really got upgraded with the uh, um, arrival of Darius Leonard, who looks like he's going to be a a decade type of franchise changing a defensive player, like a Kukli, Bobby Wagner uh, um, caliber. So, yeah. And if I am Jim Mersey, the general manager for the Colts, I'm 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 seeing what I can get for Antonio Brown. Now obviously if if Amari Cooper got a first round pick, what the hell Antonio Brown gonna get? So it, um <laughs> so you gotta put that into perspective. But if I can try to get Antonio Brown, I've got Ebron an elite tight end. Uh he made he's probably gonna be in the discussion for all pro. I think Travis Kelsey will maybe get it. Um you've got T. Y. Hilton. So you add another piece like an Antonio Brown on that, and you already have Andrew Luck with a rejuvenated offensive line led by Quentin Nelson, man, look out, look out, look out for those horses in Indianapolis. But there you have it, guys. This podcast is officially over, but I do want to give a shout out to um, a network that Spotlight Sports Talk is under now called the Bear Fridge Network. They are from Scotland and they reached out to us to be a part of their network to help promote other podcasts. So shout out to the Bear Fridge Network, all the way out from Scotland. Them, them guys, they do have stuff on Spotify, iTunes, um, and they just started their YouTube channel. So shout out to Bear Fridge Network from there. And I do want to thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And we we had a good time talking sports, talking our opinions about everything. I, I didn't even know you was a Celtics are a Patriots fan. Now I know I do have family that's Patriots fans, so it's it's good definitely have you on, my guy. Appreciate, appreciate. I'm pleased to have to be on the show here on on the spotlight. And um uh yes, and and I'm I'm hopefully a returning guest later on in the future there. Oh, you can always come on, man. You know, I do these things once a week, so we can always come on and, and talk, you know, breaking news or whatever's going on in sports. But Please follow this guy on all social media. Y'all see it on the screen there. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Follow him on uh, Spotify, iTunes. Hopefully Title have a podcast soon. I don't know what Jay-Z is doing with that title. Let's get a podcast going for us as well. Uh, but you can follow me on social media. I have two of them. I have one for Spotlight, so it's Spotlight FB Talk. Uh, Darian SST. Um, you see it all over on the Facebook, on the screen right here, Instagram Spotlight Sports Talk, Facebook Spotlight Sports Talk. I want to thank y'all for being on and listening, because this will be an audio and a video podcast. Thank y'all for being on. Comment, like, and subscribe to both of our channels, man. And we see y'all in the next video. Thank you for I thank you for you for coming on, man. Thank you. I'm pleased to be on the show.